Hi, thank you. Thank you, big welcome to you too here in Peterborough, but also to everybody joining us online. It's great to be with you. And welcome to part five of this series, Around the Table. Hasn't it? Then if, if you're anything like me, I've been so challenged and encouraged by this image that we have of Jesus loving food. Anyone else love food? I love it too. It's like someone said, it, when you read the Gospel of Luke, it's like Jesus is either going to a meal, at a meal, or has just been at a meal. And it's like, what a great way to live. And uh, today, as we come to today's passage, it's not going to be any different. We're going to see Jesus again around a table doing ministry. Now, before we come to that, that passage, we're going to look at the passage in a moment. I want to start by asking you a question today. If I was to ask you what matters most to you, what would be in your top five or your top ten, I wonder what you'd say. You know, maybe you've got food and friends in your top ten. Maybe you've got holidays. Obviously, you're going to have holidays in Yorkshire. We'll be somewhere in your, your top, probably top six or so, I would hope. Um, hopefully not Man City in your top three. Uh, and for the sake of balance, also not Man United in your top anywhere, quite frankly. But you'll have, you'll have your own top ten. Now, I wonder what would happen if we were to ask Jesus that same question. Jesus, what are the things that really, really matter to you? Now, I don't know about you, but what matters to Jesus, I want to matter to me. That what's on his heart, I want it to be on my heart. Now, as we look at the passage, we're going to hear it on the, the screen behind me in a moment. I want you to ask yourself two questions. Number one, what was it that mattered so much to the Pharisees or the religious leaders at the time? And then number two, in kind of contrast to that, what was it that Jesus was so passionate about? What was it that really mattered to him? So let's watch this. As Jesus was speaking, one of the Pharisees invited him home for a meal. So he went in and took his place at the table. His host was amazed to see that he sat down to eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremony required by Jewish custom. Then the Lord said to him, You Pharisees are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you're filthy, full of greed and wickedness. Fools, didn't God make the inside as well as the outside? So clean the inside by giving gifts to the poor, and you'll be clean all over. What sorrow awaits you Pharisees? For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore justice and the love of God. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. What sorrow awaits you Pharisees? For you love to sit in the seats of honour in the synagogues and receive respectful greetings as you walk in the marketplaces. Teacher, said an expert in religious law, you've insulted us too in what you've said. Yes, said Jesus. What sorrow also awaits you experts in religious law, for you crush people with unbearable religious demands, and you never lift a finger to ease the burden. So I wonder, did you pick up there? What, what, is it, what was it that the Pharisees are so passionate about? What, what was it that mattered most to them? Well, it's clear, isn't it? They're, they're about external religious activity. That's why they're so passionate about the, the hand-washing ceremony that Jesus didn't do. They were about externals, without being concerned about the condition of a person's heart. What is it that really matters to Jesus? 
Or we might say here, it's very clearly, it's about the matter of the heart. Jesus is primarily about what is the condition of your and my inside? What's happening on the inside that will then roll out into external matters? Now, today, I want you to know Jesus is concerned for you and me about the condition of our heart. And I, when I say heart, I don't mean so much a physical thing, but actually is concerned for our spiritual heart, that bit on the inside of us for who we really are. But you might think of it this way. Just as a physical heart, the, the well-being of your mind, physical heart, to some degree, determines the health of our life. Would you agree with that? It's like how well that's going, that determines how full of life I am, how free I am of disease, etc. Well, it's the same thing Jesus is saying with the inside of your spiritual heart. The, the condition of your heart will determine the way in which you live your life. So what I want to do today is look at this passage and if you like, use it almost like a way of looking at the two things a specialist would look at. You know, if you, okay, just, just so that you're aware, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a biologist, but I know enough to be able to preach about it. Um, if you went to a doctor about the condition of your heart, I think they're going to do two things. One is they're going to check how healthy your or my heart is now. They're going to run some tests and check your blood pressure. They're going to look at the, the constituency parts of your, of your blood, see how healthy it is. But second, they're going to probably suggest some changes to lifestyle, whether it's exercise or it's diet. They're going to say there are some things here that need to change. Now, I want to suggest here that's what we're going to do. We're going to say, God, what is the condition of my heart right now? Now, and we're going to see if there are any diseases that could have got their way into our heart that we need to cut out. And I'm really hoping that none of you hear on the sound of my voice that today, I'm hoping you don't need a pharisectomy, a complete, yeah, just checking, you did hear that right. Yeah, he said pharisectomy. You don't need a complete cutting out of a whole way of life. But there may be some things today that you will feel challenged about and you'll want to change because you know the condition of your heart really matters. But also, I, I want to share with you some things that you and I can be doing this week and ongoing. So that we, we're not just saying, let's have a, a good heart for now. I don't know about you, I want to have a healthy spiritual heart 10 years from now, 20 years from now. So what I want to do in the time we've got together is give you two questions that you can ask yourself anytime that will help you work out how well is my heart doing, but also secondly, uh, what's the condition of that and where do I need to change? So here we go. Question number one. To what degree is my heart full of the unconditional love of God? There's a question you can ask yourself anytime. In other words, this question really, if I was to ask it a different way, I'd be saying, what is it in my life that's actually I'm allowing in, that's filling, if you like, the nutrients that I'm drawing from that's filling my heart? You see, when Jesus speaks about the Pharisees, I wonder if you caught what he said about them. Uh, in verse 42, he says about the Pharisees, he says, you love. In other words, he's saying, what is it that's filling your heart? He's saying to them, you love to sit in the seats of honour in the synagogues and receive respectful greetings as you walk in the marketplaces. 
What was the problem for the Pharisees? Well, what was filling their hearts was actually a commitment to externalities, to the outside of life, and that their whole sense of worth, their sense of significance, security, value, came from conducting all kinds of religious activity. And Jesus is saying here, hearing the approval of people. That's where, that's why, how else do you explain how fastidious they were around religious activity? It's because their whole sense of well-being depended on them doing it really, really well. Let, let, let me give you an example. How many of you like the idea of a Sabbath rest once a week? Just give me a wave. How, how many of you know it's actually good for your heart? There's something about the spiritual heart that takes a rest once a week that brings good to us. And actually, there's an Old Testament law that God gave us for our good that says, take a break a week. It's called the Sabbath, meant for our good. Now, what the Pharisees had done, they'd taken this good law of God and then they spent ages working out how you apply it with all kinds of minute detail. And they were particularly concerned about an issue that comes up in the Old Testament of carrying burdens on the Sabbath. And they spent many, many hours saying, what do we mean by a burden and how can you carry it? Now, this is all adding on to the Old Testament law. Let me, let me read one of their rules. So this is what they established about a burden. In other words, carrying a weight or something on the Sabbath. It says, they taught that a man may not carry a burden in his right hand or his left hand or in his bosom or on his shoulder, but he may carry it on the back of his hand or with his foot, or with his mouth, or in his ear, or in his hair, or in his wallet. So long as it was carried mouth downward, or between his wallet and shirt, or in the hem of his shirt, or in his shoe or sandal. How many of you agree that's a pretty legalistic way to live? Working out what's a burden, therefore, how on earth can I live? Now, what Jesus is saying, hold on for a minute. We can look at Pharisees and say, well, I'm not anything like them. I don't live my life like that. How might a modern, how might that apply to us in, in modern day life? Well, I believe it's possible for us to fall into the same trap of valuing, of putting our worth in how other people see what we're doing. How many of you on social media actually get a boost from how many likes you get? Ever have that? You see how many likes you get and then you see somebody else who's got 10,000 and his sense of value drops a bit more and then you realise you've got more followers than them. Think, oh gosh, I'm doing okay. And it's actually all about external things rather than internal things. The matter of the heart. How about a better way to live? Paul, who was an ex-Pharisee, who shows us you don't have to keep living like this. He wrote this. He says, here's the best source of life. He says, I pray that you being rooted and established in love. What's rooted mean? It means being like a plant where the very roots of your life go down deep into the nourishing soil of what? The love of God. That word love, that's the word agape, the unconditional, unmerited, undeserved, personal love of God for you today. Paul's saying, make that the soil that you draw your life from. Make that the thing that's filling you every day. And he's saying this is such an amazingly wonderful thing to have. You're gonna need power to grasp the wonder of this love. He goes on and he prays, may you have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love 
And when he says no, it means not know about, know a few facts, but no. Paul wants you to know experientially in your heart that God loves you because he loves you, because he loves you in order that you may be filled to all the measure of all the fullness of God. That's what Paul's saying. He's saying, don't live like that, where it's all about the externals. Get to know the love of God. Let that be the soil. Let it be the life that's flowing into your heart. Let that be what fills you. Now, as I've been preparing for this message today, um, I find it very hard to describe the love of God. It's so wonderful. How do you put words to it? And I had a few songs kind of humming around in my spirit. Uh, I think my favourite is the old hymn by Sir Isaac Watts, where he's writing about, he's gazing on the wonder of the cross. And his whole song finishes with this amazing stanza. He says, With a whole realm of nature mine, that were an offering far too small. Love, so amazing, so divine, demands my soul my life, my all. You know, when, when you get to know this love, when you experience this love for yourself, it changes everything. You will pray differently because when you know you're loved, you don't just spend your time asking. Though it's good to ask. He's a good father. But you want to linger. You know, that, that great prayer that Jesus taught us to pray starts with our father, our daddy, our Abba, who is in heaven. You know, it's good to linger for a few moments, not on to go straight on to asking, but I, I want to remind myself every day, God is my Father and He loves me. You know, God is your Father and He loves you passionately today. When you get this, it changes everything. It changes why, why we obey. The, the Pharisees, they obeyed because they had to. You obey as a Christ follower because you want to. Because you realize God is a good God. And when he gives a direction or a command, he does it. Because he loves you and he wants the best for you. And his commands are to put us in a place of blessing. And when we're obeying him, it's not, not out of some legalistic duty. It's because he's good and we want to please him. We want to bless him. He's a good father. I, I, I want to ask you today, how full do you feel today with the love of God? Is this the soil that's nourishing your soul? You know, just, just uh, last week, I was in Cambridge in, the, in the, the service and we were singing for the first time in uh, far too long. And I've loved the online service. It's been fantastic. I still love it. But there was something about being in a room together and hearing other people singing. And what, what were we doing? We were declaring who God is. How good he is, how loving he is, how kind he is. And it was almost like around me, I felt like I could hear people around me, like dry plants receiving, receiving water coming up on the inside of them. And you know, as they were singing, I could feel the love of God filling that room. So I, I wanted today, I wanted to give you some clever shortcut where you can live all of your life feeling the love of God. Because I believe that is God's long-term plan for all of us. But the truth is, it's daily, it's consistently, it's habits. It's getting in the place where you know that's where the love of God, that's where I encounter the Father. Maybe it is in church services. Maybe if you've been only online, maybe it's time to come back to experience what it is to be in a room, worship together. But for me, the biggest thing is actually reading the Bible. 
getting hold of those scriptures that go, this is for you, Simon Deeks. This is the Father speaking to you. I love you, I love you, I love you. So I, I wanna encourage you in this summer season. I'm not sure there's anything more important that you can do in these next few weeks than take time to revel in the love that God has for you and pray, God, let that come right down into the depth of my soul. Let it be the nourishment that's filling the core of my being. Because you know, this is what you're doing. When, when, you, when you and I, when we experience the love of God, when we get filled again and again and again, what we're doing, it's like the way that a physical heart works. Now, I have it on good authority that your heartbeat, my heartbeat, it's actually not a single beat, it's got two beats. It's a ba-boom, a ba-boom. Not boom, it's a ba-boom. There's two bits to it. In the first bit, what your heart does is it draws in weary, deoxygenated blood and it pumps it into your lungs. And in your lungs, two amazing things happen. Toxic CO2 gets removed and life-giving oxygen goes back into your blood. And then the second thing is your heart then pumps that blood back out into the rest of your body. And by the time your blood has gone through that process, it's gone in weary, it comes out like, come on. Let me add it. We've got oxygen again. It's ready to go again. And that, that's what the love of God does for you and me. It fills us. But here's the thing. We need, if we're to have healthy spiritual hearts, we need to be filled with the love of God, but we need a second action. Because you, you, know, you know when doctors look at a healthy heart, it's also about the outflow. You can have a healthy inflow. You still need a healthy outflow. So second question to you today is more about that outflow, here we go. So the first question was how full am I today with the love of God? The second is am I growing in compassion towards others? Am I growing in compassion towards others? Now, I don't know how you define the word compassion. Technically, and this is why I've picked it, it's got two elements. The first is an emotional thing. There's, there's a, a sense of empathy on the inside you feel for the condition of somebody else who's in some kind of need. There's a rise, an emotional rise. But actually to be true, compassion, it goes further than that. Compassion isn't just, I feel somebody else's pain to a degree, it's I then go and do something about it. There is a compelling action that follows the feeling. Now, and that's what Jesus is saying. He is saying, get your heart right on the inside and then go and do according. Now, I want you to hear this. You know, Jesus isn't only interested in the condition of your heart. He's also interested in what you do with your hands. And the two go together. And if we can get one right and the other right, it's like they operate together. The inflow and the outflow creates an incredibly healthy spiritual heart. Now, we go back momentarily to the poor old Pharisees. They don't do well on either. Let, let me read to you what Jesus said. He talks about the heart first. He said, inside you are filthy. Wow. Full of greed and wickedness. And then outside you crush people with unbearable religious demands and you never lift a finger to ease the burden. Ouch. Jesus can be incredibly challenging at times, can't he? He's saying this is the condition. Now, it would be easy, wouldn't it, just to say, ah, that's just the Pharisees. Thank God I'm not like the Pharisees. But I wonder today if we took a, a kind of compassion thermometer or some kind of heart measure for the outflow from you and me to other people, I wonder how good that flow would be. You know, there's only chance that 
In the last 18 months, our hearts have got a bit furred. You know, the, the veins are not working as well as they were. Because if I'm honest, I would say in the last 18 months, I feel this has been one of the biggest challenges that I've faced. That during the pandemic, probably for, for two reasons. The first has been, there's been so much need. I mean, would you agree? There's a lot of need around in extent and depth. And at times it's felt overwhelming. How do you continue to feel the need of other people? But also I think for many of us, the, the pandemic has turned us inward. We've tended actually to stop looking outward and we, we've ended up looking purely to our own needs. I want to give you a way of moving that the next season. How, how, how do you then? If you'd say with me, and actually if I'm honest, the condition of my heart, my compassion level is fairly low. How do I change it? Well, the first thing is go back to question one. <laughs> Get your heart filled again. Do you know Jesus feels compassion for you today? You know that he has a heart towards you that's not distant. He actually feels for you. He understands your condition, that the situation that you're in, and that moves him. But he didn't leave it as a kind of squishy feeling in heaven. He did something radical. He sent his son to the cross to die for you and for me. Jesus feels and he moves to action. Start there. Go there. But let me give you then two very practical things you and I can do. First of all, it's the first thing we can do. Give to those who are in need. Now when I say give, I mean all of us have uh, an amount of resources at our disposal. Every single one of us. Some more, some less. Think about the, the resources you've got in hand right now. Think about the time you've got. Think about your energy, your diary. Think about your relationships, your position, your workplace. You may be in a position of leadership. And, and your money too. And think of that. That's a resource that you've got in your hands. And think for a moment, what proportion of that right now is are you able to give to other people who are in need? Because you know, something powerful happens. When we give of what we have to other people, something happens to us. You know, I, I, I've recently, um, I don't know about you, I found myself able to get back into the cities and walk around. And I've been shocked to see how many people are experiencing homelessness. But also doubly shocked to see that my reaction to that has been to walk away from them, hoping that they won't catch my gaze. And I realized I, I've got a resource in my hand right then. It's called time. And I felt the Lord really challenging me and saying, don't walk on by. Go and talk to them. Go and find out what their name is and just chat with them. You don't necessarily have to give them money. Just have a conversation with them. I want to tell you, as you stop, only for a few minutes, Often to talk to people who many people are just walking by. Even I saw someone yesterday, people actually walking on him. It's like, God, we don't want to be like that. We want to be people who actually use our time to connect with people who are worse off than us. For me, as I heard particularly a guy recently, I heard his name and why he is doing what he's doing and what his hopes are. I'll tell you, something on the inside rose up again of compassion. Now, when I talk to people who give their time to work in the food bank, they're some of the most compassionate people I've ever met because God has done something in them as they've given away of their resource to other people. But actually, the, the, the passage we've looked at here does include time. It also includes our money. 
And if you notice that Jesus chose to address with the Pharisees the whole issue of tithing. Now, those of you who are not familiar with the word tithing, tithing means simply to give the first 10% of our money back to God. Now, let me remind you of what uh, Jesus says to Pharisees here about tithing. He says, What sorrow awaits you, Pharisees? For you're careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore justice and the love of God. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Now, I want to be really clear as to what Jesus is saying here. Um, let's be clear, first of all, he is, what he is not saying is don't tithe. Did you see that? He doesn't criticize the, the Pharisees. That's a surprise to me. What an opportunity here. Jesus could have gone, couldn't he? He could have gone, Old Testament. Don't worry about that. Past, done. We're under grace now. We're under law. You don't need to do the tithing thing. Just forget it. It's in the past. He doesn't. He actually underlines it. He says to them, yeah, you should tithe. But, and that's the, the thrust of what he's saying, but do not neglect the most important things. In other words, there are things that are much more important. And these are the issues of justice and the love of God. Now, do you know, as I look back over my life and I think about tithing, the, the issue of tithing is, is for the Pharisees, it had become for them a legalistic, religious thing that they did to please people. It's never intended for that. The whole point of tithing, really what's behind it, is it's an opportunity every time I receive money in to go, God, everything I have has come from you. 100% of it comes from you. And actually, joyfully, I return to you 10% as a way of saying, God, be first in my life. God, take, take number one place in my life because I feel grateful for all that you've done for me. It's actually an act of warfare, an act of worship. And when I look back over my life, we've been, my wife and I, we've been tithing for around about 20 years. I look back and I say, that's a turning point. God did something in my heart 20 years ago. I'd not realized it until this week. Something shifted at that season as we began consistently to tithe about the condition of my heart. As I realized some of that, as I returned it to the church family, some of that was going to meet people's needs. And I'd say over those last 20 years, there's been a slow, incremental desire in me to do more of that. And I don't do it because I have to. I do it because I get to. What a joy to look at the resources in our hand and say, God, isn't that amazing? You are using some of my time, some of my money, some of my resources in order to do the things that really matter, the issues of the love of God and of justice. I, I wanna challenge you. Maybe it's time to have a, an inventory of the resources in your hand. And I, I'm not saying everything you've got needs to go to people in need. But some of it should. Maybe it's time. Maybe it's time to make a small step of saying, God, what would you have me do in order to give from my provision to other people? Second, second way we can grow in compassion is be present. Be present. Now, what does be present mean? Be present means be fully here and now to whoever or whatever is in front of you in a way that you can connect. Because I, I believe all of us, this week is gonna be true for you and it is for me. We're gonna bump into people, whether it's at work, whether it's on the street, wherever it is, you're gonna bump into people who've got some kind of need. 
May not be obvious, but they'll have some kind of need. But we'll only know it as we actually connect with them in a way that's meaningful so that we can hear and feel where they're coming from. Now, for me, I wonder about you. When you heard, you heard Jesus say, this, is, this really matters to me. This matters to God. The love of God and justice. Did you notice that? God is a God of justice. And I wonder what rose up in your heart when you heard the word justice. Now, for me, when I, I first read that, first thing that came to mind was racial injustice in our nation. And certainly, I, I've been on a journey with this over probably many years. And, and I'd say over the last couple of years, for me, it's become a much more, it's become something I feel we need to do something about. But actually, it's been particularly for me the last three, four, five, six months, as I've become present to some of my friends for whom racism is their daily experience, that something's happened on the inside of me. Many of you, you may remember Charles, my good friend Charles Karanja, who a couple of weeks ago, he was up here, uh, I was interviewing him, and he was, he was sharing some amazing stuff with us. Well, he's a friend of mine, has been for a number of years. The last three to four months, we've been going through uh, a racial justice course that's forced us into conversation where I found myself listening to my friend about his experience of what it means to live in the UK today. And I've been shocked to have my friend tell me that his almost daily experience is that because of the color of his skin, that's it, because of the color of his skin, at work, in the community, often when traveling around, he experiences rejection. He's, he's, he's missed out on promotions at work. People have made assumptions about his level of intelligence just because of the color of his skin. He's had things happen to him at work that if you heard the story, you wouldn't believe. Well, I find it hard to believe, but it's true that people in the UK would respond to someone like that in the workplace. And for me, the, the, the first thing that, that's risen up is a sense of compassion. This is my friend whom I love. And he's going through a daily experience of rejection. And I, I want to say to us, Kingsgate, this issue is nowhere near finished. I'm sure you all noticed at the football what happened there. Let, let's not say this is an issue for America. This is an issue for somewhere else. It's here in our country. It's here in our cities. And we want to be people who recognize that first. And I, I want to say to people of color in Kingsgate, I'm glad that you're in, your, in this church. We love having you as brothers and sisters. I want to say first and foremost, we're with you. We're for you. And, and I think we're beginning to understand, beginning to understand some of what it means to be a person of color living in this country, but it's not enough. Compassion says emotion to action. So the true compassion says there has to be an outflow from there. And we've been saying as a church, we want to do what we can to connect to people who look different from us, both as a church community, but also where we are, and to do what we can to stand against racism. And we've, we've begun a journey, and we intend to continue with that journey. But you know, there's one thing that we can all do in this summer season. Every single one of us, it's really, really easy. As we come to these meals around a the table, I want to challenge you today. 
Why not in these next five or six weeks think about who it is you're inviting and choose some people who look different from you? Actually make a choice to invite them to say, come on, let's have dinner together. And then if opportunity arises, let's ask questions. What's it like to live in the UK? What's it like for you in the workplace? And if they feel comfortable, and they need to feel comfortable, we create an environment where people can share what is their reality. And you know, I really believe that's on God's heart for us. I really believe it matters to him. And it's not just about the big stuff, it's about what you and I can do as a church family. Wouldn't it be amazing if during this season we see God do something extraordinary as we meet around a table with people who look different from us? I want to bring this this message to a close. Um, I want to pause for a moment. We've covered quite a lot of content in this this, this time together, but I want to finish by asking you that question as we bring it together. What's the condition of your heart today? How healthy is it? Uh, David in the Old Testament, Psalm 139, he prays this great prayer. You might want to pray this prayer. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me, and that testing means, in fact, weigh my heart. What's it like? Know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. I wonder if just wherever you are now, just right now, just be still. Maybe just close your eyes. And, and maybe there's something that God wants to say to you in this moment. Maybe you've already heard it. Maybe there's something you need to ask God's forgiveness for, something that's blocking that flow into your heart. Either something you've made more important than God or just a wrong attitude. And you're like, that, that needs to go. Or someone who's hurt you and you need to just forgive them. Well, just just finish this sentence quietly in your heart. God, please forgive me for. And just finish that sentence yourself. And just know Jesus feels compassion for you today. He extends his arms in forgiveness towards you and me. And just let that go. But then also we want to pray today, this coming week, God, Keep filling us. Like a, let us be like a plant every day, being filled and filled and filled to overflowing with the love of God. In a moment, I'm going to pray that prayer over you that Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus. It might help you to put your hand on your heart. Maybe today you just need, for the first time or the first time in a long time, to know that God loves you personally. Not just the person on your right and left, but you, you by name. And just invite him to come afresh. And I'm going to pray this. Just receive this prayer. I pray that you, being rooted, may the unconditional love of God be the soil that nourishes your soul today. May you know that you are loved, precious to the Father. May you have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp and make yours how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And may you know this love deep in your heart, not as an idea, but as an experience. 
that you may be filled to all the measure of all the fullness of God. And I pray this, the glorious name of Jesus. And if you agree with that, why don't you say aloud, Amen. And if you'd stand with me. I'm going to um, sing together a great song which will be new to, to many of you. In many ways, it's a, it's a prayer. It's a prayer of consecration. Where we're kind of following on from what we've heard from God's Word. And we, we're saying, Lord, I want to consecrate my life to you afresh today. And I, I've always believed that Sunday is preparation for Monday. <laughs> it's not consecrated on Sunday, doing my own thing Monday. It's consecrated for the week. So as we, as we pray this prayer, as we sing this song, as the guys lead us, make it your prayer. But make it a prayer of consecration that this week you may know the fire of God's love filling you day by day and then that may flow out to people around you. So guys, can you lead us? <laughs>